Network News. Where we give you a new perspective. On events happening in our world today. This is GNN. This is God Network News, episode 67. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. This podcast is proudly listed at Podcast Pickle. God Network News fans, we have an exciting interview done with a worker in Indonesia, and he is talking about a very devout Muslim people group called the Maderese. This people group had no gospel film in their own language, nothing indigenous for them at all, and a ministry called Create International that creates gospel films for unreached people groups contacted this brother, and the rest is history. But it's really an exciting testimony and story of how God can use media uh, that has been adapted for the culture of the people and in their heart language to literally create a whole movement of people coming to Christ amongst Muslims. Strap on your seatbelt because this is an exciting story and you're going to love this ride. Sensitivities, and it takes a while to figure out how to get close to them. 
So one day when somebody tells me, somebody in the broader network tells me that uh, there's a team coming, they're going to be on the ground for merely two weeks, uh, they're going to come in and they plan to shoot uh, one, a video in the language uh, with local actors who we don't have yet, uh, no script or even an outline of a script is written yet. Uh, but they're going to come in, and in two weeks, they're going to shoot this drama uh, that's going to be a, a drama explaining, expressing the gospel of Isa Almasi yeah. to these people. I'm going, how in the world? And then they tell me they're also going to do a promotional uh, video uh, encouraging people to pray and gain interest in, in helping and reaching this group. And I'm just going... Yeah, right. Uh, you know, we have people who have been here for years trying to figure this out. How in the world are they going to do anything that has any usefulness whatsoever? And I thought, you know, I'm always uh, wanting to encourage people that are coming, thinking uh, they're not going to make a contribution unless they come back long term. Sure. But who knows, maybe, we'll, maybe some of these people come back long term, but nothing's going to come out of this that's going to be useful. Uh, I didn't think. Well, they show up. And we found some of our best uh, national buddies to help them out and steered them toward them and said, hey, help them as best you can. And uh, uh, I began to be fairly impressed early on. They, they started interviewing uh, everybody and his brother that they ought to be talking to. They were talking to the right people and asking a lot of pretty good questions about the ethnography and the cultural values and that type of thing. And uh, we gave a lot of input. I don't think they slept the entire two weeks they were there. Honestly, That's probably I, true. <laughs> now, how many were there? Fifty or a hundred of them? Uh, I don't recall exactly. I think there were somewhere between eight to twelve. Yeah. Eight to ten. Yeah. And um, anyway, so they're interviewing people the first two or three days, and then they're starting to write up concepts of scripts. And near the end of the the, the first week, uh, they called me and asked me to come over and. And I picked up a copy of the script, and I read it, and it was like, this is actually pretty good. This is amazingly good. And I was like, how in the world did they distill all this stuff so quick? Um, I'll never quite comprehend that, but uh, they, they had certain things in place to know how to operate to, to pull together the right stuff. And, you know, because they had interviewed me earlier in the week and some other uh, key people that had been there a while, uh, after we were interviewed, you know, the gears start turning. You start thinking, what, what else should I have told them? <laughs> um, and uh, so when they had me come in to look at the script, and it, it was sort of like uh, a few of us coming in for the final sign-off. And uh, they, they were desperate to start shooting the next day because they're so tight on time. And I think it was one evening, and I'm looking at this thing, and I said, this is really good, but I said, you know, there's one thing you might want to consider that I've thought of this week. It came to mind. I said, you know, a few years ago we had uh, a small team of uh, national witnesses working among this group. And they were living in this village. And one day they went to a wedding uh, in this people group. And they noticed that everybody that comes to the wedding brings some kind of gift or food to the family holding the wedding. And in the middle of the wedding reception, a really awkward, uh, kind of tense thing happened. The father of the bride, who's hosting this thing and paying for it all, he stands up and he, he's giving kind of a welcoming speech. And in the middle of the welcoming
He says, now, I've noticed today that Mr. So-and-so over here, when he married his daughter off last year, I came to their wedding and I brought 20 kilograms of rice. Uh, but I noticed today that he comes to my daughter's wedding and he brought five kilos of rice. And, uh, and I, I was amazed when I heard this, because in this culture, um, you know, it, it's very much a shame culture. And when you put somebody to shame, sometimes there's these vengeance things that happen. It can get violent. So I was kind of shocked that in the middle of a wedding somebody would say that. But my, my, uh, my friends, my national witness friends there, said the, the, the most amazing thing happened. This guy you know, turned three shades of red, but then he got up and he immediately ran out of the assembly. And they were afraid he was going to go get a knife or something. Oh my goodness, because that particular group does carry knives. Yeah, well they, they're, they're always carrying knives, <laughs> and it can get very bad. Well, he ran home, though, and he came back with a knife, but wrapped in a white cloth. I'd never heard of anything like this before. Wrapped in a white cloth, and he ran up before everybody. He runs up to the father of the bride of the wedding that day, he comes up and falls on his knees and takes this this knife wrapped in a white cloth and raises it up to him. And there was an awkward long moment, and then the father of the bride accepted it, and everything was okay. And I heard this from these guys, uh, you know, a few years before the video team got there, and I said, "Wow, what did that mean?" And they said. Yeah, we've been thinking a lot about that. And I said, yeah, you were. I said, but what do you think it meant? And they said, we think what it meant was if I could bring you more rice, I would. I can't. I'm at the end of my rope financially. I'm ashamed. And by doing this, I am admitting to you that uh, I have no other recourse but to come and throw myself on your grace and beg your forgiveness. If you want to take this knife and kill me, you may, but I'm begging you for your grace to forgive me. And the moment I heard that, I thought, that could be a redemptive analogy embedded in the culture. So anyway, uh, I mentioned this to the video team, and I said, you know, after all the things you asked me about the other day and that I shared and some of the other guys I heard shared, I thought, I wonder it might be appropriate to interweave that into the story. And uh, I remember the project leader looked at, I think, the head script writer. They looked at each other, and they both had this look of regret on their face, like, oh, man, we were not hoping, we were hoping we would not have to rewrite the script again. But they both looked at each other, and one of them said, that's really resonating with me. I think we need to change the ending. And the other guy says, yeah, you're right. We got more work to do. I was really impressed they were willing to put something in at the last minute. But uh, they decided to, to weave that in. And uh, the next day, they started shooting. Every every moment, the sun was up. Now, they, were they using professional actors? No, no. Uh, another one of my national friends just ran out into the into the compounds and found random <laughs> buddies of his. None of these people had ever acted in their life. They'd never been in a high school play. They'd never done anything. 
and um, they had all kinds of headaches with getting these guys to follow the script. Some of them were only barely literate, uh, and so they struggled with helping them to remember their lines. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, well, a couple of them were, I, I think, at that point, were new. Uh, believers in Isa as Muslims, you know, newly coming to faith in the Lord, uh, completed Muslims, if you will, uh, and, uh, you know, now truly submitted to Allah, uh, which is what Islam means, uh, but through Isa. Uh, but I remember my buddy, uh, my national buddy, saying, oh, they had all kinds of headaches getting these people to come up with their lines and all. He said the women were much better than the men. <laughs> and they, they seem to enjoy it more and get into it more. But uh, anyway, the, the team shot every moment there was sunlight for the next week, and then they were gone. And I still wondered what in the world's going to become of this. Uh, I still, you know, just had a natural skepticism. Yeah. And I think it was what, two or three months later, we saw the final cut, and I was blown away. I was just truly blown away. I watched it and I thought, that is phenomenal. Uh, very culturally sensitive, well done. You would have never guessed that these people had never acted before. Um, I mean, just everything about the cinematography was very well done, I felt. Um, and then we had a new problem, and that was distribution. <laughs> Uh, well, see, you know, in a place like this, among a group like this, you have maybe, I don't know, uh, a dozen or dozen and a half key people that are interested in reaching out to them. Not many people. Yeah. And everybody, you know, works through their uh, deep friendships that they've built, which take a long time to build. So, you know, people have, you know, usually between seven to about 12 good friends that they could give something to. Well, okay, you know, 15 people by a dozen, multiply by a dozen, does, doesn't add up to even 200. And so immediately we, we got copies of this DVD and they're distributed to that 150, maybe 200 people. And then there's this huge bottleneck. Um, it's really hard to move forward. Uh, there's no distribution network. And I grieved that we had a product in our hands now, provided by this uh, video ministry. It was so good, but no mechanism for getting it out there. And I remember just wondering, you know, how can we someday do a better job at distributing this? I think it was four years later, uh, one of my national friends, he won a guy to the Lord. And, you know, these people do seven different jobs at once to get income. Uh, They've got all these different things going. And one thing that one of his new believers decided to start doing to get some money was to travel around the countryside, town to town, selling VCDs, which is you know, more popular than DVDs there. Right, so it's a cut down version. Yeah, it's a lower quality. And yeah. So this guy goes on one of his trips, his forays around, and he comes back. And he says to my buddy, he says, are you aware that that film that uh, was made a few years ago is now all over the countryside? It's being pirated. Uh, it's been discovered. Uh, and everywhere he goes, he says, my competitors are selling it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the only drama film in that language. And this is a big language group, the size of the state of Florida. Wow. Um, 
75% the size of Australia, the population. It's a big group. And it's the only drama they have in their language. They have some cheesy, forgive me, but cheesy dangdut music videos in the language, which is sort of like a cross between Indian music and Elvis Presley. <laughs> They're what my son calls the most annoying music in the world. Um, some people really love it. Um, but the only drama, and so there's no competition, and it's all over the countryside. We thought, wow, that's amazing. Then, uh, just a few months ago, uh, we began to hear something. Uh, a group of uh, imams uh, got together to have a discussion about theology, and instead of talking about theology, they all got discussing their deep concern about this video that's spreading like wildfire and influencing people. And they felt like it was teaching another doctrine or something. Some of them claimed it was insulting their faith. Um, and they were asking the police to track down who in the world did this. Uh, and then the largest Muslim organization on the planet uh, uh, put a little article about it and their concern about it on their website and offering a link to it on, on YouTube. So that you can check it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then more recently, my, uh, one of my buddies who helped out with it some said he saw a link where there was a dis discussion group within this huge Muslim organization. And some of their members were discussing it. And they said, you know, we've watched it now, and it most definitely does not offend Islam. Uh, and it's very interesting, and it's compelling. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, it, it's so one of the... it's gone way beyond its, you know, original intended group, really, through the Internet and everything. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and, and you know, we're, we're thrilled. It's it's like it hit that tipping point, and it appears to be beginning to go viral. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm very excited that uh, people are going to be exposed to it in huge numbers, and uh, that they're realizing it's not at all offensive to Islam. Yeah. It's very honoring. Just sharing the truth, yeah, honoring the culture. Yeah. That's great. Well, that's an exciting, exciting story. You know, it really fits with. Uh, the whole theme of God Network is about what God's doing amongst unreached peoples around the world, and especially using media 